Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Let's Talk About That. This is a third week of our series. We have two more weeks left. I'm really excited about uh, this weekend, next weekend, and the weekend after. And before we go any further, I just want to welcome everyone at our Borman campus. Guys, we love you. If you're visiting Borman, my name's Joe Caminetti Sr. I have the pleasure of teaching the WARN, the online, and the Borman campus simultaneously. If you haven't met the campus pastors there in Borman, make sure you meet Pastor Joe Jr., Pastor Aaron. They'll be in the lobbies. And guys, this is the weekend that I wanted to take two weeks to lay foundation, and this weekend we're gonna uh, get into the scriptures, and I'll do my best. And in case you're visiting, uh, the parents in our church that have school-age kids of all, all ages, they asked me to teach on the subject of same-sex attraction, same-sex lifestyle, gender issues. And so I, I decided I'm going to do that. They just want to know what does the Bible say to them as Christians. And if you're listening and you're not a Christian, it's very important for you to hear what I'm about to say. I'm not teaching this for you. Uh, it's God doesn't want me to legislate Christian morality on you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there's just one thing every non-Christian has to hear from the Bible, and that's this, that Jesus, the Son of God, came to the earth to die for the sins of the whole world, mine included, ours included, and that God raised him from the dead. He's alive. Whoever calls on his name, he'll save those particular people. And so that's the message to everyone that's not a Christian and I'm teaching Christians what the Bible says to them, then they have to decide. Because Jesus said, uh, after you accept me, I want you to become my disciples. And he said, in order to be my disciples or those that follow right behind me, live like I do, uh, he says, you have to be willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So he teaches us a lot of things that are counter to the culture we live in. And then we have to decide, am I going to go further? This is PG-13. I want to make sure you know that. I want to encourage you not to amen, uh, especially when I read some scriptures today, because I don't want someone to feel like we're, we're condescending or in any way condemning. So uh, we're going to go ahead and open this up. And uh, I want to open with a story. About a couple years ago, I had a couple approach me in the lobby and they were first-time visitors. They identified themselves as first-time visitors. And they said, why did you use Old Testament scriptures uh, today in, in your message? And it was a benign message. It was like God loves the world or something, very non-offensive to anybody. And uh, I said, well, Jesus used it. That's how he taught. The apostles, Peter and Paul, they used it. That's how they taught. And there's just some great stories in the Old Testament. There's principles that are universal for Old Testament, Old Covenant, and New Covenant. And then I let them know the moral part of the Bible, it's for the New Testament too. So that would be the Ten Commandments. It doesn't change. Uh, thou shalt not steal applies to us. Thou shalt not murder applies to us. Thou shalt not covet applies to us. The difference with us Christians is God gives us grace to, to do those things. Uh, and, and, and we don't go to heaven by our works. We go to heaven because we accepted Jesus, but he gives us grace to follow. So I shared that with them. And, and then they laid their cards on the table and they let me know, hey, you know, we, we have a child that's living same-sex attraction. And we believe the New Testament doesn't say it's a sin. It's only the Old Testament. And if you, if you try to teach it, you have to teach it out of the New Testament and, and you can't. So I knew they had listened to some people that I've listened to, because I like to listen to everybody to hear what everybody's saying. And I let them know that it was in the New Testament. 
and, uh, and I wanted to show them. And at that point, they were so gracious, they graciously said goodbye. And I, and I fully understand that. As a matter of fact, uh, many years ago, I had to let an employee go. And so I let him go, and then he, uh, his mom was a member, and she left. She was really upset with me. So he came up. He stayed at the church. I let him go as an employee. stayed at the church. He's, and he apologized. He said, I'm so sorry for wh- what happened with my mom. And I said, listen, I have a mom too. And if the shoes were reversed and you were the boss and you let me go, my mom would have went way further than your mom. She would have made an appointment, told you off, then she would have left. And uh, we laughed about it. And I get it with family. I get it. I get it with family, our loved ones, and we want them to be valued. And I hope I'm bringing that across in, in this message that uh, I want parents to be parents to your kids. Uh, you know, if your child is binge drinking on the weekend, you still go to their birthday party, right? Uh, if they're doing something the Bible says not to do, you still love them as a child, right? We love our siblings. And we all have siblings that aren't living to the standards of God, right? In every area. And so I, I, I just, I want you to know I get it, but we also have to find out what does God say about this? So this is my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than we've ever understood it. And, and many of you know this, but I, I wanna go ahead and share it. Here's, here, here's my big idea for this lesson. God says no because he knows. And really, I'm gonna talk about the why behind the what because I'm not one of those people that just want a blind no. Blind knows and I don't get along all that well. Um, I have to know why, and so I'm gonna do my best to teach the why, and uh, I'll eventually get to it in my second point today. But I wanna make a shameless plug right now for connect groups, guys. Uh, this is connect group season. We have a connect group called Weekend Follow-Up Group, and they, they, they deal with the service, and you, you can jump in any time, so you don't have to be there every week. If you've never been to it, you can go. One of them is online, which is pretty cool. Monday nights at 7 p.m. You go to believers.cc, our website. You click the weekend um, follow-up group box, and it takes you to the link for Zoom. And, and then we also have one on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. at Perkins and Boardman. And this is a great time for me to say, hey, believers warn, I'd love one of our leaders to rise up. And, and do a, a live connect group here the next time for weekend follow-up groups. So uh, maybe God's gonna deal with your heart. So let, let's talk about this. God says no because he knows. So here's my first point, uh, the no, right? Uh, what the Bible says about the LGBTQ lifestyle. And I want to read a text, but I wanna set it up. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. Think about this, 430 years that, that is 10 generations plus. The Bible generation is 40 years, so that's almost 11 gener- generations. And during that time, this is really important, they didn't have the Bible. The Bible came afterwards, so they didn't have their Bible yet. God gave the Bible through Moses after they were delivered. So 430 years without any scripture, and God did not communicate to them. I want you to think about that. No, zero communication. So they didn't have any prophets saying, thus saith the Lord, and they lived just like the Egyptians lived. They were slaves in Egypt. They lived according to their culture. So God begins to give them the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, and he has to teach them, I'd like you to live a little differently in this area, in that area. And it was all kinds of areas. So we're gonna pick up there and listen to Leviticus 18.1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. So they've just been delivered and say to them, 
I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. So here's all God's saying. You came out of the Egyptian culture, a lot of good things in there. There's some things they did I'd rather not have you do. Now you're gonna go into the land of Canaan and they have a culture and I don't want you to follow all their cultural ways too. And guess what? That's what Jesus says to us. So it's pretty interesting uh, because Jesus says, after you accept me, I want you to find out what I say and I want you to follow me and live that way. But do you know what he said in the Beatitudes, the, the very famous Sermon on the Mount? Uh, the last two Beatitudes, he said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sakes, for yours is the kingdom of God. Do you know what righteousness sake is? That, that's just living by the moral standards of God. And he's letting us know, if we begin to follow him, there's gonna be, we're gonna go counter culture and there will be some persecution. We live in America, so thank God it's mostly just verbal, right? But, but some nations, it, it gets to where people are thrown in jail. So he tells us, you need to live counter to your culture. It will bring some persecution. You know what the last beatitude right after that one was? He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake, for so was, were the prophets. And he said, great will be your reward in heaven. So he says, if you follow me, you're gonna get some persecution. And I think it's important for us Christians to know that up front. Yeah, we can't work our way to heaven. We accept Jesus by praying, but then he wants us to become disciples and follow him. And that could cause some rub. And so that's what's happening here. The Jewish people uh, lived in the world, but they lived differently once they received their Bible. And God wants us to do similar things. So, so here's verse six, Leviticus 18.6. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. So this is what they did in Egypt. This is what the, the Jewish people did in Egypt. That was the culture. And, and I was reading some of these and it's awkward to read some of these in private, right? So uh, I didn't wanna read any more than this. God just had to teach them a simple thing. You shouldn't have relationships with your relatives. Um, listen to verse 20. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. So they came out of a culture where that was really common and people lived that particular way in the culture. And God is saying, guys, I don't want you to do that. That's called adultery. And what I love about God and his kingdom, it's so amazing, is you know there are people that commit adultery before they meet Jesus, and then you know we know we accept Jesus, He washes all our sins away. That's pretty pretty cool. But then there are people. I've been pastoring the same church for this August is 38 years. There are people that commit adultery after they're Christians. And what's awesome about God is He says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I don't want anybody walking out of here feeling condemned. Jesus says, hey, if you make a decision to do a 180 and make it right, he says, I'll forgive you of everything you've ever done. So those are some verses. Now let's look at the next one, verse 22. You can read the whole chapter at home. It reads, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. King James uses that awful word, an abomination, right? So he's letting us know he doesn't approve of this lifestyle. And I just thought it would be important to talk about detestable. I, um, I, I shared it in lesson one where I, the Bible says that if you gossip, it, that gossip is detestable to God. And I was a professional gossiper before I met Jesus. So I had to deal with that, right? But listen to Proverbs 11.1. 1. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor 
with him. Always talking about his cheating people. And so he says, if you're going to cheat someone, that's detestable. That just means I don't like that because you're hurting yourself and you're hurting someone else. You might say, how does it hurt me if I cheat? Well, it's going to darken your soul and it's going to take you down a path. And I cheated a lot before I met Jesus, so I can tell you that it's true. And, and then Proverbs 16, 5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. And he's just dealing with pride. And God says, I want you to be have humility. Humility is kind of like, I don't know everything. I'm going to live by what I know. But God, if I'm wrong, show me. He just wants us to be humble in how we approach life and how we approach people. And so I read these to make a point. We don't want to make one sin worse than another. I think that's something the church has done and we shouldn't do that. The one I could say we can do it with is murder, right? That's one we should say that's, you're taking someone's life. But outside of there, God calls all kinds of sins an abomination. So we see in the Old Testament where he says it's a sin. I'm gonna read New Testament in a moment. But, but I thought I'd read this because I haven't touched this subject yet in the series. Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman must not wear men's clothing nor a man wear woman's clothing for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Again, we see the same words. This is referring to cross-dressing. Obviously, today, men wear, you know, the jeans are interchangeable and all that stuff. He's not just talking about just wearing something that, you know, maybe women wear. But he's just talking about cross-dressing. He's talking about um, the, the transgender community. And he's saying, I, I call that a sin the same as I call everything else is sin. So this is God's culture. You're wanting to know as Christians, what does God say? And I got to thinking about this because of what's happening with so many of our kids. And every weekend I talk with a school teacher who tells me a new story about, you know, how, the, you know, they have to, what they're dealing with in the school systems. And, and so I pray for them, encourage you to pray for them. But when I went to Bible school, uh, I had an experience with the transgender community I want to tell you about. I remember I was getting ready to go to Bible school and my dad sat me down and said, son, you know, I had seven boys and I spent all my money feeding and housing you guys. I didn't save any money for your college. You got to work your way through. And I said, dad, that's fine. And so I had to work and my way through school. And so I worked at a convenience store, found a great job. I worked the midnight shift. And so when I had summer and then I had breaks during the year, I would work doubles. So Christmas break was two weeks and I would just work doubles for two weeks. And I had to talk to my supervisor. And I remember the first time I went to him, I said, hey, I need a lot of doubles. I'm not going home for Christmas. And, and then after cr Christmas, I paid my tuition off for the year because uh, I made so much money working those doubles. So uh, he said, I have a store I'd like to put you in, but I want to tell you about it to make sure you want to go there. And I said, sure. He said, it's a transgender store. Back then they called it trans. That's what everybody called it. Now it's, I believe, transgender. And forgive me if I say anything wrong because I'm 62 and I'm old. And I, and I, may, I may miss a cue or two here and there, right? So <laughs> he said, uh, this store is in a transgender neighborhood. And I didn't know this. He told me this. Um, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma going to Bible school. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was in school in the 80s, it had the second highest LGBTQ community in the nation per capita. Obviously, Chicago would have a higher population, LA, because they have millions of people. But Tulsa was number two per capita, San Francisco and then Tulsa. And they had a huge transgender uh, community. And we had a store right there in the middle of it. He said, I'd like to put you in there. Nobody wants to work there. 
And I said, well, what am I looking at? You know, and he said, well, they're going to come at you. You're young and, and a good looking guy. They're going to come at you hard. He said, they're very aggressive. He said, they reached over the counter to grab some of the workers. And I had never been around a transgender back in the 80s in my life. And, and so I said, do you have a security guard? He said, no. I said, okay. Um, I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I said, I would like to share Jesus with him. So our company was really huge. Uh, it was a big company uh, in a bunch of states. And we had two born-again Christian owners right there in Tulsa. That's where the headquarters were. I said, can I share Christ with these dear people? Because everybody needs to hear about Jesus. And he said, you know company, company policy? I said, yeah, but please. And he said, all right, you do it. But if, if you get in trouble, I didn't tell you you can do it. So I go in my first night. I'm working midnight turn. And if you've ever worked in a convenience store, you know this. In any neighborhood, anywhere on the planet, uh, when the bars close at 2 a.m., it's crazy because everybody's a little intoxicated, right? So I'm a little nervous about that. But I get in there. It, I think it was 11, and it was exactly what he said. They were very, very aggressive. But I was surprised. It was 98% men in that neighborhood, and some wore dresses, some didn't. I don't believe sex change was an option back then, and uh, I don't, they weren't on hormones. Some of them had beards, some of them didn't. Uh, but they were mostly men that would dress like ladies and talk, talk that way. And they came at me hard and fast, and... I just was as sweet as I could be because I know Jesus loved me and I was quite the sinner. And I said, guys, you know, Jesus loves you. He really loves you. He died for you. And, and it kind of shocked them. They're like, what are you, a Jesus freak kind of guy? I said, yeah, I'm here to go to Bible school. And I told them the Bible school I was going to. And, and, and I'm working for this store and I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. Well, it, it brought a beautiful atmosphere into that store. And what was really cool is I gained respect because I spent summers at that store. I spent my... Christmas breaks a lot of times at that store. And they, they just treated me like gold. And I was able to lead quite a few of them to Christ. So it, it was just a wonderful experience for me. I got to know who they were. I used to go out witnessing every Friday night. My favorite people to witness to, and I was never a biker. I was never in a biker gang. But my favorite people, to, I'd go to a biker bar and just start talking to them. And they wanted to beat you up because they'd see me, they could tell I'm from up north here. But as soon as I talked about Jesus, they just... They backed off and then they would listen. I was able to pray with lots of them too. So I share this story because what I'm seeing today is, is not what I saw then. In other words, uh, there's a percentage of people that are gonna bore, be born with the transgender uh, you know, propensity. But what I saw then, or what I'm seeing today, it, it's, it's what I taught in lesson two. Um, culture is saying something to our kids, right? They have a sin nature. The enemy puts thoughts in their heads. And a lot of what's happening today, these are not true transgender things that are happening. Uh, there's some out there that's true. And that's why some of the children that walk into it, they say, I was born a boy, but I'm a girl. That's why so many of them in a couple years go back. They go, that was a phase. Because it's just this world trying to uh, deceive them. And I realize there's some people that are born with that propensity. So listen, parents, I shared this in lesson two. In case you weren't here, I want to say it again. I think it's our job to protect our kids. And when I hear a Hollywood superstar say, and I'm sure they're good people, they're just, they don't know. I'm going to let my own child decide. Knowing the Bible and knowing what's going on, I think, no, they're not going to decide. The enemy is going to lie to them, and then he's going to put thoughts in their head and say, that's who you are. So I want to encourage you to protect your kids. Uh, they may be watching a YouTube channel that's about how to do yo-yo tricks, very innocent, 
but the person running the channel might be feeding them with a lot of stuff you don't want them to hear. So you just have to make those decisions. So uh, I put that out there. I wanna show you some New Testament scriptures. I'm gonna go into Romans and we're gonna read Romans 1, just a couple verses. But here's what's going on in Romans 1. God's saying, when a society rejects me and they say, we don't believe in God, you know, the Bible's not for today. Uh, the Bible's just a bunch of stories. It's not meant to be taken literally. Whatever it is, today's, that's what's going on today. We don't believe that God exists. When a society rejects him, he says that they're gonna be given over to a lot of sins, not just the one we're talking about. But I just wanna show you it's in the New Testament. It's, it's very strong, it's very strong. And I remember when I was a young preacher, I had a hard time dealing with strong issues because I wanted everybody to like me. And so I would really struggle. I'd be like a nervous wreck and that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, I remember after I had kids one day, I had my children and you know, you have to say no to your kids, right? And you have to correct kids. If you, and if you have kids, right? You have to, we have to correct our kids. And why do we do it? Because we love them, right? We love them. And I'll never forget, one day God opened up my eyes. He just let me see it. He said, why don't you teach the Bible like you're teaching your kids? He said, you love your kids and you would teach anything that you know is true. Any, you don't want them not to know what's true, right? And, and it just set me free. So I'm able to teach tough things because I just love everybody. I want everybody to know what the Bible says. And if, you have to decide for yourself whether you believe it. Um, so listen to Romans chapter one, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the grading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So the whole emphasis of this chapter is they rejected God and then it opened them up to the enemy deceiving them. Romans 1.26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Very tough words, right? Verse 27, in the same way, uh, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So this is New Testament, right? And again, I, it could take me a week, two weeks, three weeks to teach all of what needs to be taught here. So take a look at another one, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. We just want to see what does God say in the New Testament. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, and that is what the Greek language says, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as a young Christian, I heard a preacher preach this, and it scared the heebie-jeebies out of me because I was doing some of these things, and he let me know it wasn't, this is not a complete list. I'm like, woo, it's all sin. And I'm like, woo. And he never read the next verse, so I'm like wondering, will I go to heaven? And I, th I thought, I'm thinking, preacher, didn't you say we can't go there by works, and now you're saying it's by works? And it scared me like crazy. But then I read verse 11 one day, very next verse. Listen to what it says. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. So he's writing this to Christians and he says, you know what? When you accepted Jesus, his blood washed you clean. His blood washed you of all sins and you don't go to heaven by your works. You go because you accepted Jesus Christ. But I like this part. 
And that is what some of you were. You know what I think we do sometimes? We try to find our identity in what we struggle with. And we need to find our identity in what Jesus did. He said, if you accepted me, you're holy and blameless. You're a new creation. Yeah, we have a sin nature here, but on the inside, guys, God did a remarkable work inside of us. And that, that's what enables us to follow Christ in every single area of our life. So in Borman, online, here, here in Warren, can we say thank you, God, for what Jesus Christ did for us? Can we give it up? I think it's a good time to celebrate, man. Great time. So here's my second point. Uh, remember the big idea, God says no because he knows. Well, what does he know? Well, here's my second point. God says no to the LGBTQ lifestyle to protect us. He's not talking to the world, I'm talking to Christians. They wanna know what does God say, right? So this is for people that have accepted Christ. And, and I'm gonna read some stats to you because I feel like if I tried to read a verse of scripture, someone might say, well, I don't know if that's true. Is that what the Bible's really saying? But science, science is what I'm gonna talk about. And these, this science isn't from Christians, it's from the world. It's from the world we live in. And uh, Sweden, in 1944, they, they legalized LGBTQ lifestyle. They're the, the most friendly country ever. There's no condemnation if you live in Sweden. You do not feel anything. Now, America's getting to that where we, we treat everybody nice, which we should do, right? We should treat everybody right. But... We're gonna read some stats that come out of Sweden and European countries that are around Sweden. And, and it's really, it, it, it's, it's surprising. And I want you to see the why behind the what, okay? So, so here's my first stat. Uh, European, European Journal of Epidemiology did a study in 2016 and concluded that the suicide rates in Sweden, the most accepting country ever, are 300% higher amongst the LGBTQ community. Now, if we saw that for America, we'd say, well, sure, because of how we treat these dear people, right? And, and the pressure we put on them and the rejection that they feel, they're not feeling that there. And that's amazing. 300% higher? That's really high. And, and here's why. And this is, I'm just teaching Christians. God didn't create us to live that lifestyle. And that's why, that, that's the why behind the what. God says no, because he knows how he created us, right? Listen to the second half of this stat. They also reported that the average life expectancy in the LGBTQ community is reduced by 20 to 24 years. And I didn't believe this when I saw it. I thought someone, this is a typo. I could not believe it, so I had to do more research. And listen to this, uh, more, more research and, and stats out of, out of uh, Europe in the Scandinavian countries, most accepting countries ever. In Denmark, heterosexual men live on average to 74 compared to homosexual men who live on average to the age of 51. They're living 23 years less. In Norway, heterosexual men live on average to 77 and homosexual men live on average to 52. That's 25 years difference in lifespan. Heterosexual women live on average to 78 and this is in Norway too. And lesbian women on average live to 56. That's 22 years difference. And so when you think about God says no because he knows, he's telling us out of love, guys, I didn't create you to live this lifestyle. And I know the world's gonna have different opinion. This is just for us Christians, man. This is what the Bible teaches us, and this is the why behind the what. God says no because he knows. And so you might wonder, well, it's not that 300% higher 
Suicide rate is causing these drops, and you're right. The other side of it would be disease, right? So this is from our own CDC. We're very familiar with COVID, right, with the CDC. Here's the stat. The United States Center for Disease Control in 2013 study, a 2013 study found that while only 3% of the U.S. population was LGBTQ, that means only 3% of our population is living that lifestyle, they are responsible for 50% of the cases of syphilis, 60% of the cases of gonorrhea, and over 75% of the HIV cases in the last five years. So if they're responsible for 50% who, who, of syphilis, who's responsible for the rest? Heterosexual people that, that say, God, I know you, you said sex, sexual relations is just for marriage, but I'm going to have as many partners as I want. And God, God's saying no, because he knows. So it, he's just trying to protect us. God says no, because he knows. So you can think about that. You can do your own research, Google. Here's my third point. This one's really important. God gives grace and rewards to those that obey him. I titled next week, The Journey is for all of us, for every area of our life, where Jesus says, I want you to live counter-cultural, not just for this area, every area. And, and how do we do it? What's our journey look like? And, and so we'll go over that. It, we're gonna talk about, we do everything by the grace of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or through the grace of God. And so we don't do it on our own. We do it with his help. But I want to talk about those two or 3%. And it would actually be smaller uh, because that's everybody that's living it. But the two or 3% uh, that, that are out there living uh, the LGBTQ lifestyle. And what if you were born that way? You know, think about that. And we talked about that in lesson one. You know, what if 97% of the boys in first grade are talking about cute girls, and then you have that 2 or 3% or 1%, whatever it is, that are born that way, that they're thinking the same sex is attractive. You know, what about them? And that is a great question. Here's what you want to understand. God doesn't make any, any of us one way or another. The way we are is because of sin. We're, we're sin-stained. The world's sin-stained. So we're all born with propensities towards all kinds of things. So we're all different. We all have, I call it my thorn in the flesh. We all have different thorns in the flesh we have to overcome. And only Jesus can help us do it. But what if you were born that way? I remember back in the 80s, and I apologize. I'm still apologizing for the 80s and 90s. If a parent came up and said, hey, my kid's dealing with same-sex attractions, most pastors would look for someone that, to cast the devil out of them, and they would pray and cast the devil out of them. And, and I've been pastoring the same church, guys. This August is 38 years. I've never seen it work once. And these poor guys talk about their psyche being messed up, right? So then some of them thought, well, if I marry the opposite sex, that will fix me. Then that didn't fix them. And so it's, it's like here they are stuck, and they don't know what to do, and they love Jesus, and they're trying to follow him. And now... There's a whole community, there's great books out there of born-again people that deal with same-sex attraction. It's still there, but they've overcome it. If they have a thought, they cast it down. And here's what's so cool. They're living in total peace, total joy, and total contentment. It's amazing. And here's what they decided to do. They decided to live a single lifestyle in order to obey Jesus. And I call them my heroes. We have, we have many in the church. Uh, many are involved here. And they're just my heroes. I don't make them do this. They decided on their own, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And I don't care what my body's telling me to do. I'm going to just follow Jesus and I'm going to love him. And here's what they tell me. They tell me that Jesus has filled all the gaps in their life 
that they're content, they're happy. And it's the same thing that happens if someone's a widow or a widow or they lose their mate. They decide, you know what, I'm going to make Jesus my husband. And they just, they, they just fall in love with Jesus, and Jesus fills all the gaps. And, and it's one of the most amazing things I am witnessing. And I sit and talk to many of these wonderful people, and I let them know, you're my hero. I mean, you're just my hero. And when I think of those that should receive the biggest rewards in heaven, I think of martyrs. And I think of these wonderful people who have said, you know what, I'm gonna live single for God just so I can obey Jesus. I don't care if that desire is there. I'm gonna resist it and I'm gonna follow my Lord. And then he gives them grace to do it. But there's a scripture. And I, I made sure the Hebrew scholars said it was okay. I wanted to see what they had to say. Uh, and, and it is, so according to most of them. Uh, Isaiah 56, four says this. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs or singles, people who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. Now I know it's Old Testament, but the principles are the same in the new. In other words, they're saying, I'm gonna follow you, God, and do what you want. And, and, and most scholars say that the eunuch here or the single, this would be dealing with people who have same-sex attraction to decide, God, I'm gonna just do what you want me to do. And what's really cool is the next verse. Verse five, to them, God says, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than that, than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. So he's talking about rewarding them at the highest level. And, you know, when we read about what's a memorial wall, I have no idea what that is. I, I, I don't know what a name better than a child is. I know it's really, these are huge rewards, right? Huge. I remember when I was a new Christian and, and I read that if I finish my race, God will give me a crown. And I'm like, I didn't like the paper crowns at Burger King when I was a kid. And I'm not impressed with crowns today. I don't want a crown. I worked this hard and you're giving me a crown, Lord. You know, it's like, and then I realized it's just symbolism. We, we won't know. We just know it's, it's just really high level rewards. That's all God's saying. I'm gonna give you high level rewards. And that's what God's saying to these precious people. So I wanna do something in Borman. TCI guys, online, we can give it up in the chat rooms here in Warren. And I want us to be louder than, than we normally are uh, just because these are heroes. But can we give it up for those that decide to follow Jesus in this community? Can we just shout and give it up and clap? Let them know how we're amazed. We're amazed. We're amazed. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads, let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. And I know that while I'm teaching, the Holy Spirit's way better and he's, He's saying things that I don't even think to say. And Lord, here's our heart, like the last song we sang. We just, we just want to surrender to you and follow you. And for many, Lord, this is a new thought. They never heard this concept before as a Christian. And I just thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. Lord, and I ask, you know I do this every day. If I believe anything in the Bible that's not true, open up my eyes to it. And Father, I ask you to do that in every one of our lives. Grow us, change us, help us see what you want us to see, Lord. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this church. I pray for the parents. Father, give them wisdom to navigate what they're navigating. I pray for the teachers that are teaching, Father, in secular schools at every level. Give them wisdom to get, navigate what they need to navigate. And Lord, as we enter into a new era here in America, as the culture changes around us, give us wisdom, Lord, on how to walk in the culture. 
But Lord, also give us the grace to follow you in every area of our life, Lord God. And we thank you for that grace. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Stay in that attitude of prayer. Just stay right there in that attitude of prayer. Maybe someone's listening. They were in first service. They were last night. And you're not sure if you're forever, right? You're not sure if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell. This is about Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus and what you've done with Jesus. So I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? You know, Jesus is the son of God who always existed. He took upon himself a human body. He lived amongst us and then he died for our sins. God raised him from the grave and he's alive. And he says, whoever believes in me, I will save them. So right now I'm asking, have you believed in Jesus? You might've grew up in church and never accepted him as your savior. Or you may not even believe he existed when you walked in, but now your heart's open because that's what God did for me. He opened my heart. I'd walked away and didn't believe God existed at all but he found me and he wants to find some people this weekend. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to pray and accept him. Would you pray with me right now? And in Borman, TCI, Warren, can we help them pray? Let's pray loud enough so they hear us and we encourage them as they give their hearts to Jesus. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for my sins and the entire world. God raised you from the grave and I accept you this day as my savior and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. You may not have felt a thing, but what we just talked about in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, you're washed, you're cleansed, you're a son of God, you're a child of God. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.